Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm May. Hello, I'm Chaos, and, and our, our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, loves a circle with no end. Stop, 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 Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped and this is a unique pod. I sat down and had a great chat to our guest today over a month ago and all was going well until his laptop charger gave up the ghost and through various attempts didn't quite come off. We ended up swapping some WhatsApp messages and was delighted that he was able to come back and fill it in. So there's been a lot happening that month. A huge amount has happened in that month. So let's catch up with him again. You've heard part one with Scott Steele, Harlequin Scrum Half, and he's back for part two. So please welcome the one and the only Mr. Scott Steele. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, good. You seem to have gone for continuity. I'm pretty sure that's what you were wearing a month ago. I was. I tried to do that to see if we were gonna how we we're gonna do it. If we we're gonna glitch it or not. If we we're gonna do it. But, um, yeah. First and foremost, apologise for the technical issues that we had last time. Uh, it was going so well as well. But um, now we're we're set. We should, no issues this time. Nice. Uh, it was brilliant to speak to you. I loved it, and uh, I thought a fair bit about it. And I was really, really pleased when you said there's still stuff you need to say. Uh, a lot of people are just desperate to get away from me. So thank you for that. Uh, so let's bring us right up to date in the last few days you've been under the knife how's how's things um yeah good all in all uh, i had an operation on my hip which has been a bit of an ongoing issue for well my whole career basically just managing it but um went on wednesday to get an operation just to tidy up my hip um i've been having a lot of issues over the last eight months or so with my back and my hip and tried to rehab it tried to do everything Thought we were getting some wins, would come back, play a few games, and then injured again. So at this stage, I'm, I'm just thankful that the operation went well and that I'm looking forward to getting back fit and fully fit this time rather than just coming back for a few games. But um, no, actually, surprisingly, quite mobile and um, actually feeling really good uh, post-op. So I'm excited to get back into stuff on, on Monday at the club. When you say managing injuries, I remember somebody saying to me once that professional players are always playing with something. When you're managing something, how does that work? Are you working on everything around about it to support? Are you doing things on that specific area to try and just get as good as it can be? Is it in the back of your mind when you're playing? I mean, there must be so much that goes into managing an injury. Yeah, all, all of them things. Like you're trying to... If you've got a weakness somewhere or an injury somewhere, you're trying to strengthen the areas around it to offload it as much as possible. Um, you're working with the physios all the time um, and 
you know, also like in training, you might be restricted to what you can do. Um, for example, with me, with my hips and my back, it was, I could only do a certain amount of box kick a week. Um, they would restrict my running meter so I could only hit a certain amount, hit a cap before going into a game. And a lot of guys have that all, all over different positions. And the last bit that you said there, like it definitely does play in, play in your mind if you're going into a game and a lot of guys um, are quite sort of like strict in their prep and they want to do a certain amount of hooker throws or kicks through the post or box kicks and stuff. And if you're going into a game knowing that you've not done as much as usual, then before you've started, you're sort of, you're probably more nervous than you are anyway. And then you're playing with an injury. So you're not, you're not going to be as confident, but um, like you say, yeah, I agree with that. Whoever told you that, that everyone going out there has got some sort of injury or something going on or, or coming back from a major injury and that'll be playing, playing on their mind quite a lot. And um, yeah, that, I think that's something that probably, you know, your, your sort of general fan doesn't, quite understand that like these guys are going in and they're you should see the amount of strapping that lads have got before a game and stuff and and what goes on and taking painkillers and stuff before games like it happens all the time um and then they might not have the best game and you would see people getting a bit of you know getting a bit of stick or whatever and you're like if, if you only knew what they, they had to do to get to the stage of playing the game never mind actually how how they how they got through the game itself but um yeah for me that's something that i've I've had to deal with for like the last eight months uh, coming back from COVID. I've just been playing with uh, bulging discs on my lower back. My hips been playing up, um, not being able to to play at my full potential. There was a game where I warmed up. I was meant to start and then got moved to the to the bench. And by the time I came on after warming up, I I couldn't get the range in my my hamstring because of neural pain shooting down my left leg and. I was to the coaches and it was like, what are you going to do? And I just went on. I just couldn't, I didn't kick because I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't physically kick. And it was luckily we were chasing the game and it was like in a prem cup. And it was, I was like, right, we're just going to have to run everything because I can't box kick because my leg won't physically do it. Like, so stuff like that's just been so frustrating for me. And then had another flare up with that in pre-season and um, my hip wasn't moving right. So my back was taking on more strain. So, uh, we, we did it and we, I was meant to be on the bench when we played Saris a few weeks ago and then it happened again, um, just in bed and just had neural pain shooting down my left leg and I was just going, oh, not again. So I had another look at my hip and they were like, right, we can we can do something about this, get this sorted. Um, so did that and touch wood, it'll be all good. But um, yeah, it's just, it's definitely one of them things that people don't really pick up on that um, guys are playing a lot of the time with, with injuries and whatnot. So here's you, know, you you get the operation and you feel that relief of physically I'm I'm going to improve here that's going to give me a chance to play, but it sounds to me like there's a massive amount of mental and emotional going on there that right now now I'm going to be able to perform I'm going to be able to train I'm going to be able to give it everything, literally a weight being lifted off your shoulders. Yeah, definitely. Like there's nothing worse than playing and you knowing yourself after a game or a training session that you're coming off and you're you're going that, that was nowhere near my best like physically that wasn't i could have chased that harder i could have done this technically i wasn't getting into the right position and like you just you don't feel good about your performance and you're, you're just getting by you sort of you start to accept that was all right like that that becomes your good because your body's not where you want it to be so that's tough mentally to deal with, like knowing that if you were fully fit, that you could have a much better game or you could be training much better. And you go from training in the weeks to try and get better as a player to just trying to get through training to be fit for the weekend to then go out and not play as well as you know you can. It's, it's very tough, like you say, mentally to, to keep trying to do that and back it up week to week. And at the same stage, you'd, like in my case, anyway, my body was just getting worse and worse. So, it became harder every single week. So for me, it's a bit of a, a reset button, get get the operation, get it sorted, work on other parts around my game and also stuff outside of rugby that I've got a bit more time to focus on now and sort of figure out what, what I'd want to do after rugby. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a weight off the shoulders in terms of not just trying to put a brave face on every week and be like, no, I'm good to go, I'm good to go when, you know, 
Uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was going to ask you if you had a crystal ball now that this is happening at this stage of the career, does it buy you another two seasons or three seasons or have you never really looked that far ahead? Um, no, I think it definitely will. Like That's all that's what I've got done now will help me. Um, it'll push my career a bit further back. But um, in terms of what I want to do next, I'm, I'm still unsure. I've thought about a lot of things. Um, spoke about before about refereeing which my dad did that was that was something that I've looked into and spoke to a few people about um where I'm at with that at the minute it was a, sort of the one thing that you give up as a rugby player is your weekends and you know your, your Christmas time and all that kind of stuff and I think once I finish I think like the things that I missed out on quite a lot I think you want to you want to be able to do them and um that's one thing that Sort of, sort of pushing me slightly away from that and also that it's still physically demanding you know if you if you're battered and bruised after a long rugby career the idea of that you're gonna have to you know still every week go out and, and run around and push yourself and keep fit during the week um will, will the body hold up that's that's the other thing that's the question mark um but just doing a few courses online and stuff at the minute hoping to um go in into London a bit more and do a bit more work experience in, in the city and more than just someone described to me really well it was like it's not about having something that you definitely know you want to do it's about going in and trying stuff and then ticking that off your list being like that's not for me or that could be for me like going into things that you wouldn't have a clue about and just saying right that's that's definitely not what I want to do so the more that you can do you can narrow it down and then hopefully um like I say over the next season that i'll have a better idea of, of what i want to do yeah after you talking about the start of your rugby career i've got no doubt whatever you choose you're, you're going to go for it yeah. do you feel quite lucky to not be making that decision that well you made the decision at 16 17 18 to go and be a rugby player but do you feel quite lucky about this stage of life now and being able to say those things i can go and try that and do that and have a look at that and do that course yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's like with the stuff that the the RPA do, like the Players Association and the links that Harlequins have, like being a like being a London club, like it's great for us. Like everything's on a doorstep. Um, and in terms of that, like other clubs all over the place have very good sort of connections with people to go and try and do that stuff, um, which, which is great. But I think. Obviously, the transition is tough for, for a lot of people and they don't really know what they want to do. Um, but for me, I've sort of seen it. I'm presuming it, it will be tough, but also it's like another massive opportunity. Like there's not many jobs or careers that you have where you can do it for maybe 10, 15 years and then you can just do something completely, completely different and then change it up. You're not doing the same job as you would be for a whole career. So I think that's something that I'll actually, there's a lot of things about rugby that I love, but there's also a lot of things that, I'll be looking forward to seeing the back of once you do move on. So um, I think just figuring out what I want to do and what sort of lane that I want to be in in terms of employment uh, will help that transition be a bit smoother. What did your old man say when you said to him you were thinking about refereeing? Didn't be so bloody silly, son. <laughs> no, he, he actually he pushed it. Um, he, he was like, I think you'd be good at it. Like, obviously, it's scrub off, like, it's basically what you do anyway. You, you see everything in the game, you're telling the ref what he's doing wrong. I was just um, going to say, I could imagine you being a good... I, I reckon be a sevens referee and get some of those nice holidays. Yeah, you see, that, that'd be ideal. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's one of them things. Like, I don't know if I'd, I'd want to be that involved. I'd like to still be involved in rugby somehow, maybe coaching and stuff like that. But... Um, probably not that that level of professionalism like I've, I've, I've had that bit I've done that um, I'm happy to stay involved in the game because you obviously learn a lot you've got a lot of knowledge being in the professional environment for so long that it'd be silly not to try and use that and help people out but I think at that high performance level and that sort of high pressure I think that's that's something that I'll, I'll be looking forward to, to not doing as much once once my time comes you're obviously a, a very able sportsman. You're a brilliant footballer as a kid as well as rugby player. Is that something you'd look forward to, being a fan, a spectator, being in the crowd, going and watching different sports maybe, but getting back into football and being a rugby spectator? Yeah, definitely. Like, 
you take it for granted when you're sort of because you're playing and you're involved in the team it's not really the same as just going to a game and watching other professional sports and stuff like that because you're so invested in it it means so much to you you're not just watching it and you can't really appreciate if the other team does something like unbelievable you're not there going oh wow look at that you're going like oh christ like pull it together so i definitely think yeah like from a very sporty family like all sort of love all all sorts of sports and stuff like that football and we when i was at london irish we were lucky enough that we got um the owner had season tickets at Chelsea and we'd go down to midweek games at Chelsea and stuff like that in the Champions League and absolutely loved it. Like just seeing them like top professionals, how quick they were, how like agile, how tactical the whole game was. Um so that that is definitely something that I'd look forward to once you get your your free weekends again. I remember speaking to a former professional who couldn't believe how much tickets were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing, yeah. You try to get a hookup. You get messages every now and again off lads that used to play, and they be like, "Oh, you got any tickets?" And you're like, "Yeah, fair enough." <laughs> yeah, got to look after the old boys. Yeah. So let, let's rewind the tape a little bit. We can we finished the last one where you just had that spell of being with Scotland and getting on the pitch and having that amazing experience, and and we we were just beginning to get into that off the back of that a high I think that massive high getting to represent your country what was it like going back into the the club game um I was excited I was like had a new confidence I played um played for Quinns before and then came back from the Six Nations stuff playing in a, a different level a higher level and I was thinking I can't wait to get back and contribute um but at the same time, the whole way through my, my Scotland stuff, I was struggling with uh, a hernia that, again, was getting worse and worse. And it was probably one of them that if it wasn't playing for the Scotland stuff, I would have said, right, no, I need to need to get something done. So I got back and I think I played one game for Quinns and then it was it was just I couldn't, I couldn't play. I was injured. So, uh, so after that massive high, I'd been like, can't wait to get back. The team's going really well. We'd sort of turned it around halfway through the season. I was like, can't wait to get playing on a team that's, you know, playing a different brand of rugby. It was really like, it's the Quins that you see now, really exciting. Um, and then came back and then to play one game and then be like, right, injured. I was just like, oh, here we go again. So went under the knife, got that sorted out. And then it was just one of them. It was frustrating because I was just sat there um, having played really like well at the start of the year to get into the Scotland stuff, was in the Scotland stuff, came back injured and then just really struggled to get when I got back fit, really struggled to get in the team because it was, I think I played the last game before the semi-final um, off the bench. And it was just like, look, we've had this team for the last six months and you've not really been here. And two of the guys, so it was Danny Kerr and Martin Landajo, two like, unbelievably experienced uh, scrum halves. And it was just frustrating that I wasn't able to, to be there more and put my hand up for selection. Um, due to being away and then due to the to the injury and then just sort of watching that season unfold and obviously it was an amazing day when, when we won it and we went to Twickenham and it was it was unbelievable but that feeling of just being like sort of I went away then came back and if I hadn't went away I probably would have got the, the operation earlier on and then all these sort of things going through my head but I was just so happy for the boys that we obviously went on and win it and it was such a crazy obviously semi-final and final the year that we won it um yeah it was just it was sort of i wouldn't ever say it was a bittersweet it was just more frustrating from my point of view that i'd had the best year for me personally and then coming back wasn't able to carry that on it just sort of stopped all of a sudden so that was quite tough but it was made better by the fact that the boys went on and they won it and then we had the best three or four days of our lives after it on the beers and stuff like that. So it was yeah, it was it was it was a difficult one, but um yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't looking back, I wouldn't change it for the world now because at that stage I was I was never expecting to be anywhere near a, a Scotland squad. So for the last six years, Fill Your Boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level. Please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com 
to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill your boots, bring in rugby together. How, who helps you with that? Who helps you with that? You know, massive high. I would imagine you were a pretty popular boy. And then you come back and, you know, you, you go back down to London Village. Uh, you go back to a club like Harlequins. You think, I'm ready to go. And, and then you have that. Who helps you with that? Um, the, the players, like, they know, like, experienced guys will, will come and speak to you and be like, what, 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 where's your head at? Like, um, of like they'll they'll share their like your frustrations with you. They'll be like, I can understand why why you're feeling like that. And I think you just you, you never want to be that person in the in the dressing room that if it's not going well for them, then they're bringing everyone else down because like toxic people like that. You do you do get them, but I'd, you never want to be that person. So for me, it was just right train as well as I can. You never know there could be an injury, could be something. Um, just prep the boys as well as we could and that year when we when we won it i think that was the main thing like everyone was so disappointed not to be involved in the in the semi in the final that that frustrate frustration just would show in the training like everyone would be actually like tearing at the bit and it would be so competitive and we'd be like tearing through the first team and it was like we'd score a try at the weekend boys are like celebrating and like the guys in the first team are getting annoyed and being like, why are you being like that? But then <laughs> it just it helps everyone because they're, they're being tested. If we sort of, like I said, we're a bit toxic and like threw our toys out the pram and we don't train well, they've not been tested. They just run through us. They, we don't defend properly. We don't attack properly. And it, it just makes training a bit, it doesn't make it like purposeful. It just makes it a waste of time. So. Um, I think the way that boys channeled that frustrating frustration and into doing something positive and worthwhile um, definitely did help us towards the end of that year. Do you like training? Yeah, um, like I said, over the last eight months or so, it's been tougher because when you're not fit, it's it's tough because you the the main event is obviously the Saturday, and when you start seeing trainers being right, if I get through Monday, get through Tuesday, I get my day off on Wednesday, I can recover. And then all I have to do is get through Thursday and I'm, I'm basically there. So when you start looking at it like that, it, it's quite daunting because you'll get through a session and you'll be like, if that se session went on for another 10 minutes, I reckon I could have been struggling there, like proper injured or whatever. So, But when I'm fully fit, yeah, I love it. There's, like, there's nothing worse than when you're being injured and you're just watching all the lads train. You just you feel like a spare part. You're just there like... Phew. But um, yeah, when fully fit, like I love it. If anything, they have to like, I'll be one of them guys that they have to hold back and be like, right, you've done too many meters. You've hit like 5K in this session. We can't let you go over because then you won't be able to train on Thursday because of risk of injury and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love it. When you're playing, are you aware of eyes? You know, the ones that are right in front of you in the crowd, but also that there's 50 TV cameras pointed at you and however many press photographers or you know people talk about the zone I'm just not quite sure I buy it all the time um I think I think you are when I when I first started playing and I made my premiership like starting debut I was definitely aware of that um being like look like we played my first game it was at the double header at Twickenham so it was like 60 odd thousand people there and I was just going what this is mad like Christ, there's a lot of people here. I find my mum and dad in the crowd being like, right, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> and like in the TV and stuff, and you'd be like watching the highlights back, and you'd be like really concerned about like, oh, if the commentators like said something, or if they've, even if like you've done something well, you'd be like, oh, well, I hope I get to see that in the highlights or something like that. Well, I think that just goes pretty quickly because like, professional sport it's just week to week like you could have the best game of your life one week people talk about you for a few days and then you get to the next week you have an average game not even a bad game just a, a seven out of ten 
and no one's talking about you. And if anything, they'll be like, oh, it was really good last week, but it wasn't quite there today. And it's like, I didn't have a bad game. Like, I just had an all right game. It wasn't like... Um, so with that stuff, that's what's so good about it in terms of, like, you can have the best game ever or whatever, but the next week, it's start again. You, you, like, it means nothing. Like, you can do so much in your career, but if you're not backing it up week to week, um, it, it, it doesn't really matter. And that's what, when you look at experienced guys that have done it for years, that's the sort of thing that you sort of really sort of admire about them the fact that they've done this for so many years but every single saturday or match day they'll turn up and they manage to perform and perform better than everyone else basically um and do it for so long like surely you'd think at some stage you'd get to around like a saturday you're playing away somewhere it's pissing down the rain you're like i can't really be bothered but you never you never see that which is you would think that would happen more often when you're at a club like Harlequins, I mean, there's a lot of good players have come through Harlequins, but they've not been part of a squad that's produced this squad you've been part of. Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, Joe Marler is absolute box office. You've got somebody like Danny Care, you've got Marcus May. I mean, you've got players there that everybody's talking about as. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If not the best in the world in their position, the best in the British Isles. Or, is that motivational? Is that intimidating? How, how do you work with that? I think it's more motivational. And I think it's more, um, it's more of an opportunity. Like you've got, like you say, you've got guys there that have, who are renowned as the best in, in the world in their positions or like the best in, in Britain or whatnot. And we get to train with them every day. Like if you want asking them questions about why they did this or why they did that, then like you've wasted a massive opportunity there. Um, and also just that you see that these guys, when they train, it's like, it doesn't it's not like they just turn up at the weekend of that good and they're just like, Oh, turn up there and it'll be fine. Like they, they like work as hard as anyone else. Like I'd say Marcus Smith's probably the hardest worker that I've seen in rugby. Like he is relentless. He's mentally in meetings, he's switched on, he's challenging the coaches, he's he's getting his point across and then on the training pitch, if the standard's not good enough, he'll be telling people and he's just worked great and he's so competitive every day that you, you see him at the weekend and you're like, well, no wonder, like, he's that good. He, he works so hard at it. Um, and for me, we're having someone like Danny Kerr in my position. It's like, if he does something at the weekend that you're like, where's that came from? Like, how's he managed that? Like, he's came up with some sort of magic. It's, it's, it'd be stupid for me to, to sit there and be like, not ask him or, or get sort of annoyed that he's doing that. And it probably means that I'm not going to play the next week. It's like, well, do I want to come away from this being like, better about that or do I want to actually be like right well if he can do that 
I can ask him questions of why why did he do that? What did he see? What was his cues? And then hopefully get better off the back of it. I remember speaking to Stuart McAnally and he was telling me that he, he's on a WhatsApp group called Edinburgh Rugby Hookers. And it's all the hookers and they talk about their lineouts and whatever else hookers need to talk about. And that sounds similar to what you're saying, that sharing of information let's make everybody better. Is that genuinely what it's like? They're the scrum halves sitting around having a, a cappuccino together and swapping stories? Or is it just on the training field? How does it work with those positions? I think it's for us it's more on the on the training training field. You'll you'll ask them or after games like reviewing stuff. So guys going through their clips from the weekend. Um there was a scrum half there that played I'd like sit down and like look at it together or he'd like ask each other what do you reckon here or what do you reckon there? Um well it's interesting you say that because I've noticed recently with younger guys that are coming through they're, they're very um sort of quick to they, they don't want to take advice as easy in terms of they sort of see it as um like that they don't know something so therefore they're not as good as what they sort of want to be perceived if you know what i mean so i would go and chat to someone not in my position in any position and be like off oh, bit of advice if you stay a bit square or for longer there like you probably hold up the defenders and they can't shift off or whatever and straight away it'll be like yeah, but I was trying to get to this defender because then this, 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 and they've already got before they've even answered to what you've said, they've they've got something to come back at you, and it's almost like a defense mechanism. Like I'm not saying that you're a bad bloke or you're a terrible person, but it's almost like straight away they're like, yes, but I've got this, and you're like, just listen first, and then you can come back and say whatever you want. It's almost whereas in when I was in the academy and stuff like that, it was. If anyone said anything to me, I would take it as gospel. I'd be like, yeah, 100%, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're right. And it would just be like, that's the way you learn. But because I think it's hard for guys that are sort of standout players in their school teams and their club teams to come into an environment where the step up is just another level. And they're used to being the go-to people, the go-to guys, and probably don't get coached as much as they should do because the outcome's better. They might make a wrong decision, but physically, they're they're better than the opposition so they'll break a tackle and they'll go through and score and everyone's going what a try where it's like well if you actually look here that option was probably not the best option but so for them guys I think it is tough for them to to go from being the go-to guy to the main guy in the team to then start right at the bottom of the the picking order basically again and to, to take on advice with the, they're just not used to getting it as much you sound like you're you're still learning and it makes me think that coaching is definitely something you can get into is there a moment where you had a wow that's i need to do that or i need to stop doing that is there a is there something from your career that you think that was a bit of a game changer for me um i think watching your own games is obviously a massive way to to get better and to, to sit down with someone that's got experience with just not even to coach you, just about why did you make that decision? I think that's a key thing. Where, and if you're honest with yourself and you go like, I just, I just panicked and went with that. It's like, right, well, we've got, we've got something there. Whereas if you went and you make something up, like, well, I saw this, saw that, but in you, if you're honest to yourself, like, you know why you do something. But in terms of one bit of advice, I, I remember we would do a drill at Leicester, and it was. When the like the forwards are coming around the corner and the nine would pick up and take a few steps and try and sort of suss out what the defence are doing and every time I got in got the ball like sprint out as fast as I could trying to get to like the second defender if he jams on me there'll be like a tuck option like a little pop to a shoulder or you just read the defence and what they do and I did it and I did it and I kept putting myself under so much pressure because I was running so fast to try and get the ball get straight to this guy and I didn't have any time to make a decision. And Ben Young's sort of just took me aside and was like, look, like, you don't need to run as fast as you can to get out there. If anything, like, you take your time. And then if you want to have a snipe, you've got a change of acceleration. You've got a change. It's not like you're going full out and then just keep going. Like, that's, it's not going to hold anyone. Whereas if you bounce out and then you sort of look like you're going to go, someone will change, your shoulders will come in or whatever. And stuff like that, where I was like, I was too keen i was too intense i was too right i need to do this do it do it do it whereas he was like just relax a bit 
and he was always like, he's, I don't know if he said it or it was another name, he was like, you've always got more time than you think. And you always, I always thought that looking back at my games, everything, when I was younger, was so frantic. It was so, I've got to do this, I've got to do it now. Like, no patience. Whereas, take a step back, you look at your games and be like, I've had loads of time to get that box kick away. Why have I tried to rush it and ended up falling back and it's went straight up there or went out in the full? Like, you're just like, you've always got more time than you think you do. And I was like, that's one bit of advice that, I, I would pass on to other people and, and take into games, be like, it just helps you calm down, be a bit more composed. I love I love <laughs> that, that Ben Ben Youngs has given you advice and it makes you better, but you're yeah. in competition with him. I think that's class. Is, is there ever a frustration when you hear, we were talking before we hit record about spectators commenting on things that they don't really know about have you ever had a frustration where somebody's told you what they think of a a player maybe their personality and you thought you you don't even know this guy because i mean social media is horrendous for making judgments on people and is that something you've come across in pro sport um it definitely is i think a lot of guys uh get caught up in that and they'll end up doing the worst thing that you can do and after a game they'll search their name on Twitter and go on to it and they'll find things, they'll go looking for things that there's no benefit of, like someone could say so and so you had a great game today and then you actually look and you're like that person doesn't know anything about rugby, so even the praise isn't really that like if your coach is saying you've had a good game and so are your teammates that's the most important thing like them two people uh, groups of people but then if you go on social media it's just anyone saying anything so even if they praise you it's like well it, they don't know anything about rugby or the game plan or what I was trying to do and then worse if you take on the bad bits of uh, sort of feedback you get again of people that don't have an influence on anything that you should be concerned about whatsoever it, it makes no sense like you, you can't be just taking the good and then expecting not to do it. It's like, and then you do get people that take, they, they go more personal and stuff like that. And that makes me laugh even more. It's like, well, you don't know anything about rugby and then you don't know anything about this like individual. And it works both ways. People are like praising people for doing something when actually they've not actually done that much. And then the other way around, when someone's done something well, it will be, it's never good enough. So like, I don't get caught up in any of that and any sort of like going on Twitter or I remember back in the day I would used to go on like the message boards and like fan forums and stuff like that after I played like an A-League game for Leicester and look at it and stuff like that and I was just like what am I doing? Like, and I remember my dad, used to, my dad used to do it he wouldn't be able to get to all the games and he'd be like oh they're saying on this that you had a good game and I was like dad these people don't have a clue like, like they don't and like I don't mean that like to disrespect like the average rugby fan, but like you could watch a game as a professional and be like, why why does he keep doing that? He's making the wrong decision, but all week that player could have been told that's what they're meant to do. And it's the other people around him that are letting him down by not doing their job. And so even when you're watching a game, you'll you'll try to suss out what they're up to and then like someone could be made to be look quite silly for a decision they've made, but actually the guy that they were meant to go back to the short side with and pass the ball to has switched off and he's he's not there and everyone goes oh bad mistake and you're like you never know the whole story um so that's when that sort of stuff where like looking online or you hear fans in a game if you're watching your own team playing the fans will say something you're just it's better just to go straight over your head and have a laugh at it because there's there's no positive or any sort of outcome that's going to be like useful to anyone. Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg Shaped and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg Shaped merchandise. Go to www.halbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg Shaped in the stores. We've got it all. Umbrellas, snoots, hats, towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got all sorts going on there. Check it out. Get your Happiness is Egg Shaped merchandise. You can get it all coloured up for your favourite team or for your country. Get involved because you know, I know, everybody knows Happiness is Egg Shaped.
it, it does always surprise me and that you know i am on social media of course i am but when i see some stuff and i think i've I don't know that person. I don't know how you're able to judge it. It's one of the things that frustrates me. I think social media has got so much to offer, but it can be a pretty dangerous place. Do yeah. the, I mean, some of some of the players that you share training field and changing room with are, are pretty big personalities. Is there open talk in a changing room about how people feel? I mean, you sounds like you've had some pretty good support from people. Is that something that you think's improving, or is it just has it always been pretty good? Um, I don't think it's always been pretty good. I think at Harlequins we're extremely lucky to have an environment where guys can express exactly how they're feeling. Um, I don't mean standing up in front of a whole group and saying it, but they would say it to so-and-so and then he would pass on that he's feeling a bit down about this and guys get around them and like and that's the whole squad that's academy all the way up to, to senior lads which is probably the difference um sort of in other clubs maybe or, or where i started it was there would be support for some guys that would probably have done a lot for the club um and the club felt like they like to keep that person happy that they would get around them and be supportive but if you were more of a squad player or a younger lad that you probably didn't feel comfortable of saying how you felt or what your frustrations were because you probably just get the feedback that or you're just moaning because you're not playing it's like there's a difference between genuinely being frustrated at something or uh, upset about something um other than selection but it would just link back to that well he's just not happy because he's not playing at the weekend um definitely in my academy days it was very much just head down get on with it um you probably wouldn't feel comfortable saying that because it's such a cutthroat environment especially when you're younger you don't know if you're guaranteed a next contract because you don't even know if you're good enough to be a professional player you're sort of trying to battle with that yourself so but I think at Harlequins, anyway, we're extremely lucky to have the sort of environment that we've got that you could definitely open up to, to any other players or physio staffs or S&C. Um, they're, they're all really understanding. Do you have a bit of chat with others from other clubs? Like, do people say, you know, you know, are they fishing? Like, what, you know, what's it like at Harlequins? You know, what's the changing room like? What's the, you know, other pros? You know, you've been to Leicester and London Irish and and Harlequins, pretty, you know, all big clubs, all with history, all with some big personalities involved. Are you, you know, what's it like at Quinns? What, you know, oh, I heard it's like this at Saris. Is that true? Do you have chats like that with other pros? Yeah. Yeah, you do definitely. Um, like they'll like it's little things on social media. They'll they'll see of other teams what they're up to and what Harlequins are doing. And whenever anyone asks me, like I can't praise the club like highly enough of the, the way they look after us. Um, in terms of our training week, in terms of just little bits and bobs that they do around the club. Like quite often we'll have. Um, after training on a Tuesday, like a tough day or whatever. Um, one of the girls that works with us, Louise, that helps serve the food, she used to run a, a bakery and she'll bring in cakes like every Tuesday before a big session and it just lifts morale being like, right, it's going to be a tough session, but we get this treat and then we go into the session. We've got like an hour window where we just sit down and we, she makes coffees as well. So it's sit there, have a coffee you've got all these brownies and whatnot, all these treats, and it's just an hour where you just sat and met chat to each other. It's not like you go and chat with him. It's just you sit there and you socialise because the, the, the club and the, the coaches know that the relationships that you build are going to be the things that really make that difference when you really need it in the, the final minutes of a game or in a tough time of a season. But like you said, with them conversations, if someone's not really feeling great, it's it's an opportunity for you to sit down with someone that you get on when you can have them chats. Um, but they do that, and they also they'll bring in like food trucks for after training to change up, rather than just having the the same sort of food. And like certain restaurants would would come in or big barbecues and stuff like that. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not like oh, that's going to make you win the Premiership, but. It, Every week, it will just give you a little lift. It will change it up a bit. It will make things a bit different. Um, 
and that's something that the, the club that Harlequins have definitely got right. It's just given a little and the amount that you get back from the players, like it's you can't you can't really put a put a number on it because it, it goes a long way. What was it like having the TV cameras following you around for the documentary? Was that intrusive? Was it quite cool? Did you ignore it? Uh, they didn't want anything to do with me and then I'll sort of being there like, you all right? Are you guys doing that thing? All oh, right, leave it fine. Um, but it, no, it wasn't actually, I think the way they did it was really good. Like at no stage were you like, oh Christ, they're there. It was like, sort of seemed like they were just sort of in the background, didn't sort of interrupt training in any way or any sort of meetings or whatnot. And the way that they did it when they took guys off from sort of different um, stages of their career or sort of different um, sort of like starting points of like where they came from, I thought was really, really good. Usually if you do one of them, or you watch one of the interviews sort of things, it'd be like you get the big dogs that everyone wants to see, of course. Or they would pick up lads from the academy that have came in and played loads in the first team or guys that are still in the academy that haven't quite kicked on yet. And I thought the way they did that and they interviewed a very like that like sort of different um sort of age range throughout the whole squad, I thought that was really smart. No, it was cool. I enjoyed watching it. I really enjoyed watching it. Scott, yeah, I've taken up a huge amount of your time and I, I love talking to you. I think you've got so much going on and, and I think you're an amazing role model. I hope you I hope you get more chances to tell your story. The thing I miss about playing, and I obviously never played to anything like the level you played, the thing I miss about playing, the thing I miss um, about being a coach in the in the club game is the changing room. Uh, you know, what happens at training is... Is kind of the same. Um, what happens between the whistles and the white lines is kind of the same. But the bit I don't think I can ever replicate is what happens in a changing room. Now, life's different now. I wasn't around when mobile phones and social media really were part of a changing room and clubs needing to put out content from a changing room. But is there a moment in a changing room where you probably didn't at the time, but is there a moment you look at and you think, I would love to have had that again. Like that was, that was special. Are you, are you talking like after a game? Like after a game, before a game, half time, yeah. the anticipation, just where you have been in a changing room and thought, "This is a moment I I would love to put in a bottle and and smell every every week." Um, for me, it would definitely be the, the game against England down at Twickenham. Um, just because everything that. I'd sort of went on and the uncertainty of a lot of things, the likelihood of me ending up in that position and coming on and contributing, not just getting chucked on the back row or playing on the wing. It was like I was actually in my position and played well. We managed to win the game and stuff. And it was, yeah, that was, was pretty emotional. It was great because like, that's everything you've ever sort of dreamt of is uh, beating England at, at Twickenham. Um, and because there wasn't any fans there, the changing room felt like there was like people would usually be out and about saying hello to everyone, but there was none of that. So everyone was there. Everyone, like no one missed anything. And we were just there and just to see people that you'd like, like the coaching staff and all that kind of stuff, like how much it meant to everyone. I think that was that was the thing that, um, yeah, that was really special about that that night and how, um, it was just that's the whole reason everyone's there and then when it walks out like it's just great to see like you're talking from you know kit man like physios team manager everyone wants the team to do well and when the team does well you sort of see like how much it means to everyone and like all their hard work that they've done behind the scenes and stuff like that it just felt like such a tight knit group because probably because of the COVID stuff, like we had to be so together. There wasn't guys coming in and then going home. It was built up for a long time. So I think that everything involved in that made that, that changing room experience so much, uh, it made it more personal to everyone. I thought it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. 
Scott, I, I just find it amazing. You, you could have picked holes in that and said I was, you know, there was no crowd, there's no, but you've absolutely found the positive in that situation. And you've been like that all the way through and everything we've spoken about. I've absolutely loved it. Um, at the end of these, I ask you to finish a sentence, and I think I possibly told you this about a month ago, and you'll have forgotten. So I need yep. you to finish the sentence. So for you, Scott, happiness is? Happiness is? It can be anything, not just rugby. Anything at all. For Scott Steele, happiness is? Friends and family for me. Friends and family. Back up the road. Yeah. <laughs> Don't massive. <laughs> Brothers are in the table. Yeah. Nah, like, yeah. That, that bit for me. Sitting down. Good time. Friends and family. Can't be it. Nice. I love it. Mate, I, I really appreciate it. I hope everything goes well with the, the rehab and the recovery. I hope you get back into it. I'm, I'm desperate keen to get down the road and come to Quinn's with my big mate, Sean, to, to come and cheer you on. Yeah. Uh, just you get back fit. Uh, I'll I'll save it for when you're back. Nice one, yeah. No pressure. <laughs> All the best, Scott. Cheers. Appreciate that. Thank you. I absolutely love that. What a guy and amazing. I mean, it didn't quite work at the end of part one, and he said, "I'll come back." And we've just spent over forty minutes chewing the fat, and I think there's so much there to offer. I hope he does stay in the game, but I'll understand if he doesn't. He's given a huge amount physically, mentally, and emotionally, and I look forward to see what he's going to do. Because after his career, I've got no doubt whatever he throws himself into, he's going to do bloody well. Good guy, good person, uh, great role model. If you've enjoyed it, you can listen on Apple, Acast, and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends, leave us a review. A bit like Scott was saying, I do actually read them, so leave the positives. And if you've got nothing nice to say, just don't bother. Uh, just, just give us nice things. And if you didn't enjoy it, that's okay. That's okay too. I've absolutely loved speaking to him, and I'll be back with more. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happiness Is podcast, and my happiness is egg-shaped. Until the next time, look after yourself, and I'll see you all again very, very soon. Thank you. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And, and our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. <laughs> happiness is egg shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg shaped. Happiness is egg shaped and loves a circle with no end. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.